Uh, I think it's pretty obvious to all of us that 2021 has got to be a year of rebuilding uh, in, in so many different uh, areas. Uh, some of us, we have to come back to Mumbai to rebuild our homes. You know, some of us have actually even given up our homes because everybody is working remotely and you've gone back to different cities. Uh, so you have to come back to Mumbai when you start working uh, at all of the offices again. Hopefully that will start sometime this year. And you have to start rebuilding your homes. Some of us will have to start rebuilding our careers. Our job roles have changed. We've had to take pay cuts. Our hopes of a job move or a job change have, have, have been delayed uh, because of the economic impact of the uh, pandemic. The companies that we work for, they're going to be rebuilding. Uh, rebuilding business strategies. Everything has changed. Um, some of us, I, I guess... We will also have to rebuild our finances. Uh, you know, maybe our savings has uh, taken a hit because of the crash in the stock market or whatever it is. And so maybe that's a little bit of rebuilding. Uh, some of us will have to rebuild some basic rhythms, like going to work in the morning, for example, and not staying at home and working. Uh, we, we, I guess we've all forgotten what it, what it looks like to, to leave home at 8.30 or 9 a.m. in the morning, whatever is the time that you leave home to go to work. And uh, maybe that rhythm is, is going to need some rebuilding whenever things resume, hopefully uh, sometime this year at least. And uh, uh, as a church, this year we have, this year has got to be a year of rebuilding, uh, even as a church. Uh, you know, thank God we've been able to meet online which is going back together and gathering physically again. Hopefully that will be not too far away. So there's going to be a, a lot of rebuilding that we will all have to do at so many different levels in 2021. And rebuilding is never easy. It takes strength and it takes joy to rebuild. I say joy because unless we are motivated positively with joy, it's going to be very hard to rebuild. And we need strength and skill to rebuild as well. And so this, this evening, I want to look at a passage from the Bible where God's people went through a season of, of rebuilding. Uh, the passage is from the book of Nehemiah. Uh, before we, I read the passage that we're going to be looking at today, uh, allow me to give us a quick background. So even if this is your very first time in a church, uh, you'll be able to uh, stay along with us on this story. God chose the nation of Israel as his people to reveal Jesus to the rest of the world through that one nation. So it was a special nation. God chose the people to be his own people. But the people of Israel rebelled, rejected against God. They sinned. They turned away from him. And God disciplined them in many ways. And one of the ways in which he disciplined them at a certain period of time in history was he allowed them to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon in exile for about 70 years. In the Advent season, we walked through a sermon series on Isaiah. Much of the book of Isaiah was written just before this 70-year exile in Babylon. At the end of the exile, God's people came back to Jerusalem just as, as God had promised they would come back. But when they came back, 
the temple had been destroyed. The walls around Jerusalem had been destroyed. And so both the temple and the walls had to be rebuilt. So this was both economic rebuilding and spiritual rebuilding. Rebuilding of the temple was a very spiritual thing. Rebuilding of the uh, walls around Jerusalem was also uh, an economic thing. You know, we find ourselves in, 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 a, in a similar place. You know, there has to be, there's going to be a certain amount of spiritual rebuilding as well. Some of us have struggled in, 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 in the lockdown. I know I've struggled in a few ways. And there's also going to be economic rebuilding, not just for us as individuals, but for the country, for the cities that, that we live in. And so the passage that we're going to be looking at today uh, is uh, something that is unfolding in the middle of one such season of rebuilding in God's people. Uh, We're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 73. Yes, there is a chapter with 73 verses. Uh, uh, We're going to look at 773 to chapter 8, verse 12. Uh, I'm I'm not going to read the entire passage, but I'm going to only take select verses which kind of capture the gist of what we're going to be looking at. Allow me to read the passage. It's also going to come for us on the screen. The priests and the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the temple servants, along with certain of the people and the rest of the Israelites, settled in their own towns after they came back from exile. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought before the, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. As he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The next slide, please. Thank you. They, that is Ezra and the leaders, read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people understood what is being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law and the Levites were instructing the people, said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Verse 10 on the next slide. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, For this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is the word 
of God. In a sense, we are continuing on the theme that we looked at on Christmas Day, which was joy. I bring you good news of great joy, the angel told the shepherds. And so we continue on the theme of joy. And this verse, which talks about the joy of the Lord is your strength, is an extremely popular verse. Uh, I'm sure all of us have sung this as, as Sunday school songs, those of us who grew up in a Christian background at least. And uh, this verse is also kind of really central in this portion of scripture, in this, and the passage that we are looking at. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Even though this verse is popular, we may not have grasped the full meaning of this verse. And I'm hoping really uh, to unpack this uh, towards the end of this uh, sermon to unpack this verse in great detail. Maybe we haven't understood it as clearly as we should have. But for now, we're going to save that for later. But for now, allow me to draw three things, three clues that this portion of scripture gives us about how to rebuild well. Three things that we see unfolding in this passage as God's people rebuild both the temple and, and, the, and the walls of Jerusalem. Meeting, repenting, rejoicing. Those are the three things we're going to be looking at that's unfolding in the passage for us. Meeting, repenting, rejoicing. Let's start with meeting. Look at verses 73 onwards. Uh, We see that people have settled in their towns. They came into Jerusalem back from the exile. They've gone and settled in their towns. And then all the people gathered together They leave the towns they've been settling, come together in that square, and they ask for Ezra to read out the book of the law of of Moses. And this is a twin reality of rebuilding. Just as these Israelites were in their own towns, had they had settled in their own towns, they were probably rebuilding their houses. They were rebuilding their personal individual lives. They were rebuilding their personal finances. All of that was happening, but they also came together to rebuild the the walls around Jerusalem. And so this is the twin reality of rebuilding. Of course, each of us have to rebuild our own lives, but we must also rebuild God's church and his community together. Both are important. And I, 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 I'm hoping that we're going to be spending a lot of 2021 in rebuilding as things come back to normal. Now, we all know by past experience, by our own past experience, that we can get so consumed by rebuilding only our own individual lives that we lose sight of God's calling on us together as a church community. We know that because we've all been vulnerable to that in the past. And so in this new season, I felt today would be a good time to remind each other, to exhort one another, saying we will come together to build not just our own lives, but we will come together to build God's community, his church, his kingdom here on earth. Uh, The Indian economy shrunk by about 9% or is expected to shrink by 9% this financial year. And uh, most economists say it's going to be bounce. It's going to bounce back with a growth of nine percent on the positive side uh, in the next financial year. 
So if you felt you were busy and there was so much happening and you were tired and fatigued working out of home long hours, working out of home during the lockdown, if you felt that was tiring when the economy shrunk 9%, imagine what's in store for us next year when the economy is tipped to grow by 9%. We need to take a stand now. If we don't take a stand, if we don't plant ourselves in Christ, we're going to be swept away into hours and hours and hours and hours of work. Work is not a bad thing. I'm coming to that in just a minute. But work that, that's so consuming, work that makes God secondary in our, in our lives. So we need to take a stand. We need to form our convictions. We need to grow in the conviction of our faith in Christ Jesus. We need to make sure what's the kind of career growth do you want? What kind of career growth do I want? Is it, is it going to be, is it the kind of growth where, where its work is going to be completely consume all our lives and, and leave hardly any time for anything else? Or is it going to be with God at the center Work that's full of joy, work that's full of meaning and purpose, work that's more than just our own career advancement, but the joy of serving others through the work and through the gifts that God has given us. As we keep saying in New City, career is not at all a bad thing. Work is a creation calling. Work was God's idea. He instituted work. But work is meant to be celebrated and enjoyed with God at the center Work is a means in which we serve others. But we've all known from our own experience that we can make work about ourselves, that we can make work higher than God. And we know that we can turn work into an idol. And so the first thing I wanted to draw from this is is a warning uh, of not to be swept away, but to take our stand in Christ, that we want work that's meaningful, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. Work which is work which is sustainable. Work, work is sustainable only if God is at the center. Otherwise, it's going to consume us. And so we see the Israelites in the middle of rebuilding. Uh, they're not swept away by all the work that has to be done in the rebuilding. I mean, the, the Jerusalem was in ruins. They had a lot of work to do. But in the middle of all that, you see them leaving their towns and gathering together to come and sit under God's word being read and explained to them. And so meeting together to to enjoy, to feast on God's words together has got to be a rhythm that we've got to protect and, 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 and build. That's the first thing that I wanted to draw out for us, meeting meeting together to feast on God's word together. The second thing we see playing out in this passage, the second thing that's, that's unfolding is, is repenting. Look at verses 8 to 10. I'm going to read just the last part that's marked in white for us on the screen. All the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. People had not been reading God's word uh, before the exile, perhaps even during the exile. But now they've come back and they've rediscovered God's word. And uh, 
suddenly they're able to see life in a very different standard. The standard they had built for themselves, they realized is, is not the ideal standard. And they seem just like we did in that time of reflection, they found themselves falling short, falling short of the perfect standard of God's word. And they convicted. And there's, there's weeping and, and there's a repentance. And people were deeply, deeply convicted as God's word was read and explained to them by the leaders. Ezra and Nehemiah do say, do not weep, do not mourn. We're going to be looking at that in just, just a moment. But this does not mean do not repent. Nehemiah and Ezra are not telling the people don't repent. Uh, Nehemiah and um, what they mean by this is not to keep on mourning and grieving as if there is no forgiveness. That's what they mean. They're saying, you must repent. Yes, you have sinned. And, and the repentance must be genuine. But where repentance has happened, we don't need to keep carrying the burden of, of guilt. And so 2020 has been, um, has, uh, we've all failed in, in different ways. But when we run to Christ, when we seek his forgiveness and we seek his grace to repent well and, and, and to be changed and be transformed we don't have to keep carrying the, 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 the guilt. That's what they mean by saying, do not mourn. But repentance is something we must do. And that's the second thing, real, genuine repentance. And repentance must lead to faith in Christ. And faith in Christ will inevitably lead to great joy. The two errors we make when it comes to repentance. First is to not repent at all. You know, that's misinterpreting this passage saying, don't weep, don't mourn, which is not repent at all. Uh, that's, that's wrong. That's the first error. The second error is to keep on mourning, to keep carrying the burden of guilt. Both are equal and opposite errors. We are called to repent and turn to Jesus. Repent and believe in Jesus and receive from Christ the great joy we can experience when we come to him in repentance and faith. And so repentance that does not lead to great joy in Christ is only self-flagellation. That's not going to help anybody at all. That's the second thing I wanted to draw for us from the passage, repenting. The third thing I want to look at is rejoicing. Look at verse 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And here we are at the key verse of this passage. A verse which we may not have understood fully. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I'm guessing that most of us, like myself, till I really started studying this passage uh, for this sermon, I'm guessing most of us have assumed this was to mean that us being joyful in the Lord is our strength. We have understood, perhaps, we have understood this verse to mean that 
our joy in the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Maybe that's how we've learned this verse. Now, this is true, of course. Uh, uh, only, you know, this is true, of course. Our joy in God is indeed our strength. But is this what, is that what this verse is saying? Let's look closely. It says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I want us to see the, the use of words. This joy of the Lord. Does it say joy in the Lord? Let's look at the next slide. Or does it say joy of the Lord? Does this verse say joy, my joy in the Lord is my strength? Or your joy in the Lord is your strength? Or does it say the joy of the Lord is your strength? This verse clearly says is joy of the Lord. Let's look at what these two different things mean. If this verse had said, our joy in the Lord is our strength, then it, it, it means that our joy in God is our strength. That's probably how we have understood this verse. But that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So this verse is actually saying, God's joy is our strength. Think about it. It's not saying our joy in God is our strength, which also it is, but that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying God's joy is our strength. The joy of God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. God's joy is our strength. I think that's going to be really, really key for us to find strength in rebuilding in 2021. We've got to find our strength to rebuild in God's joy. The joy that God experiences in his heart, that is our strength. And I, I really do want to invite us to see that distinction, to see if... Um, if we really understood this verse correct, this verse clearly says God's joy is our strength. So what is God joyful about here? What's happening in this passage that is making God joyful that the people of God are finding strength in God's joy? What is the joy that God is experiencing in this passage? In this passage, God's people have repented and they have gathered to sit under the reading and teaching of God's word. This is what is making God joyful. And this joy of the Lord is our strength. To put it even more clearly, the joy of the Lord in our repentance, in Israel's repentance, because they were repenting and they came under God's word. So the joy of the Lord in our repentance is our strength. So our repentance brings great joy to God's heart. And that joy that, that, that abounds in God's heart flowing out of our repentance is our strength. Now Jesus, he, Jesus also captured this truth in the parable of the lost sheep. 
I won't recount the parable, but let me just read this verse for us. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There's joy in heaven when a sinner repents. And, and you know, so this is kind of connected. This is kind of what Nehemiah is saying as well. God's joy in our repentance is our strength. But, but how can the joy of the Lord be our strength? I mean, if God is experiencing joy in his, in his heart, how is that our strength? How is that strengthening us? God is experiencing joy, yes. But how is that strengthening us? Imagine this scenario with me. Imagine your boss is overjoyed with your work. Imagine your boss is extremely happy with your work and he is just delighted or she is just delighted at your work. How confident and strong is that going to make you feel on any project you, you pick up? If you know that your boss is extremely joyful in you, he's really thrilled with your work, any new project that you pick up, you're going to approach it with a lot of confidence, with a lot lot of strength. So your boss's joy in your work is your strength, is your confidence. Now look at it the, the other way around. Imagine your boss is really, really unhappy with your work. And he, he thinks your work sucks. Now, any project you pick up, you're not going to pick it up with confidence. You're not going to pick it up with strength. You're going to pick it up with fear. And you're going to be tentative. You're going to be trying to guess what should I do. You're going to be very, very, you're not going to be confident at all. When your boss is joyful in you, joyful in your work, that gives us strength. That gives us confidence. That's, that's, it's as simple as that. This is what is happening. When we, when we see God delight, when we see God find joy, when we come to him in repentance, that gives us the, the, the confidence. When we know God delights in our work, that gives us the confidence to go about rebuilding. As 2020 has made us realize we live in a broken world. It's a broken world. And the brokenness of this world reminds us of God's displeasure with the sin of men and women. Which is one more reason why we need to remind ourselves of the joy of the Lord in us. And every every brokenness we see we need to remind ourselves of God's joy in us. And that becomes our strength. That's what this verse, the joy of the Lord is our strength means. God's joy is our strength. Let me close this with one last thought. How can we be sure that God is joyful in us? How can we be sure that God is Finding joy in us. How can we be sure that God is delighted in us? There's only one answer. There's only one way we can be absolutely sure that God is finding joy and delight and pleasure and thrill 
in us. That is through Christ Jesus. Because we know that Jesus Christ did everything, the way he lived his life here on earth. He did everything that brought absolute joy to the, to the heart of God, the Father. Christ filled the Father's heart with, with great joy by his perfect obedience. And it was not just obedience like ticking a box. It was understanding the Father's heart, seeing the Father's heart and living out every desire and every command of the Father. Jesus, God was overjoyed in Jesus. God was just so full. The heart of God was so full of joy, full of joy in Christ Jesus. But then, when the time came for Christ Jesus to atone for your sins and mine, he went to the cross. He took on all of your sins and all of my sins. He took it upon himself. And all the joy that he had earned, and all the joy that he brought to God the Father by his absolute perfect life, he gave it to us. That was the exchange that happened on the cross. Jesus is how we can be absolutely sure that God is joyful in us. Jesus is how we can be absolutely sure that the heart of God is filled with joy when he thinks about you and when he thinks about me. And when we know for with absolute certainty that God is so joyful in us, that gives us the confidence. That gives us the strength to go out and rebuild in 2021. And so I want to, we don't generally do this every year, but this year I, I really felt compelled to. And so I want to give us a theme for 2021. A theme which if the Holy Spirit moves you, if the Holy Spirit leads you, take hold of it to your heart. Let it stay close to your heart if you, if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you into this theme. And this is what I'd like to suggest. I'd like to offer to you. And if, it's, if you feel being led by God, you could make this your theme for 2021. Here's the theme. 2021. Rebuilding a broken world in the strength that comes from the joy of the Lord. We need to rebuild. We need to rebuild our own lives we need to rebuild. Uh, we need to be part of the rebuilding of the companies that we work for. We need to be part of rebuilding our cities, rebuilding our country. And we're called to be part of that. We need to be rebuilding a broken world in 2021. But we want to do it in the strength that comes from God's joy in us. And that's what this was. The joy of the Lord is my strength really, really means. Allow me to pray and then we'll move into communion. And I want to really move into communion. Uh, enter the new year with communion. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Spirit of God, we welcome you and uh, we pray, allow our hearts, enable our hearts to see the joy that is there in God's heart towards us. Help us to see the joy that God finds in us because of the atoning work of Christ Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.